0: This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host Tim Kilcoin No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. TalkCatholic.com with Tim Kilcoyne, and we will continue on with our book review, You Shall Stand Firm, Chapter 8, The Priest, A Marked Man. Indeed. And I'll be talking about a specific marked priest in just a second. We will also continue on with our mini-series on the Synod, on synodality. And my random quick thoughts to start the show are the following regarding some internet viewing recently. Well, I came across what I consider to be one of three of the greatest Catholics in my lifetime. I would put Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen right at the top of that list. And Mother Mary Angelica, for sure. And in our midst today, he has been at work as one hero of our culture, for sure. And church, Father Frank Pavone, the torchbearer for priestforlife.org for so many years. And I should say that I saw these videos just prior to the hammer coming down on Father Pavone from the Vatican. We shall see where that goes never to forget what the church authorities did to another rebel in holiness, shall we say? A man named Saint Padre Pio for over 10 years. I've made several comments over the years about the apostolic envy that is part and parcel of being in the vineyard. And anybody that's in it knows exactly what I'm talking about. They don't want to be upstaged by holiness. That will be another show. In any event, Father was giving a tutorial on uh, the checks and balances of our government. And he was talking about the transfer recently of a Democrat in the House to the status of being independent and how that might change the balance of power, possibly and potentially favorably for the life of the unborn and born. And he was also referring to a particular case being heard by the Supreme Court that would have to do with the redistricting relative to voting. And you might Asked the question, well, what's a priest talking about all that stuff for? Isn't that all political? Ladies and gentlemen, this is our problem. And no doubt precisely why he got into trouble, quote unquote, with higher ups at the Vatican, who take an absolute political perspective, but there's always that double standard, if you know what I'm saying. And they prefer to seek cover for their hidden agenda by uttering the perennial response, well, we must be pastoral. We, we, we can't go there because we have to be pastoral, which is code for we're not going to address difficult issues in the public square openly as opposed to covertly regarding the border. So please go to Father Frank Pavone's priestforlife.org and check out his series called Praying for America. And what made this most unique, two features. One, he's not being shy about calling out evil where it is in the public realm. That includes political parties. And he also, after giving the tutorial, he prays about it with us. He gives a little prayer relative to what we, as decent-minded citizens, should be hoping for to protect our basic freedoms of liberty life in the pursuit of happiness i think this is right out of the spirit and letter of the document on faithful citizenship for catholics penned by the bishops themselves the very bishops who said virtually absolutely nothing regarding another recent vote in the house that did not serve to protect life outside the womb silence on that and we wonder that this is not the fall of the Roman Empire, 2.0. Father Frank Pavone, we do know, is a man that has saved thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, almost single-handedly, by what he has done. God's grace upon him. Years ago, I was right next to him at a little new evangelization conference in Dallas, Texas. Little did I know... What greatness I was standing next to. I'm actually soon uh, going to be interviewing him. Uh, Got that green light recently, so stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fight for the basic rights of men and women. And that includes children, by the way, whose rights are of God also. And I saw them absolutely stomped on in another particular clip on the tube just recently of these poor little toddlers being taught by the completely ill-informed and misguided spiritually that they, uh, they weren't either male or female, but non-binary. Men of St. Joseph, rise up, please, ASAP, with your pastors, and every other venue of communication of sanity to protect the little ones. Male and female, he still creates them. God will have none of it, and you know what he already said about the millstone around one's neck who abuses children. Down with woke because God spoke is the only cry we should be hearing from all our leaders, sacred and civil. Another video that I uh, checked out with what was called the Catholic cartel. The whole pipeline of illegal immigration and the bishops of America, by and large, don't seem to be blinking an eye, but they're not political. As Father James Altman, speaking of priests, a marked man, made the correct theological comment that you do not choose evil for an apparent good. You know, this is the ultimate justification of so many people of usually right mind in other matters, but when it comes to politics, they think that a little cheating, a little stealing, a little lying, eh. If you can just get to the greater good, don't forget about the winding road. No, that is not correct. Morally. That is a breaking, a violation of our commandments, okay? You just don't go there. You be indeed honest, always honest in all your dealings at the micro level and the macro level, and you never try to justify evil means for a good end. Well, I know that this concept, this age-old Catholic concept, has been lost sight of for, well, five decades now, certainly. Uh, Certainly as uh, one political party has clearly changed its makeup from what it used to be, and uh, I think everyone knows which one I'm talking about. Well, on Father Frank Pavone's uh, video, uh, he, he doesn't mince words whatsoever and simply calls out the party itself for promoting its evils relative to that common denominator called the Ten Commandments. And indeed he should, and indeed they all should as Catholic leaders, because they're supposed to call out evil wherever it is. And this baloney that somehow we can't go there when in fact our very rights as Catholics are being stripped away ever so gradually, the Respect for Marriage Act. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, let's talk about complete contradiction in terms. Uh, just a reaffirmation of uh, the 2015 atrocity Oberfell versus Hodges, completely redefining marriage after 6,000 years. One political party takes it upon themselves to now just completely decide on what marriage is. Or what a male and a female is, you know. They know better than all of history. So I beg you to go to priestforlife.org and check out his series called Praying for America. And all I know is if the criteria for canonization is heroic virtue, this man is at the top of that list. I have no doubt in my heart and soul. Okay. I wanted to just continue on with a little part two on our synod on synodality in our first phase, I was trying to help everybody understand that the Synod is very much based on what is kind of a inductive approach to learning. There is the assumption that there is no real truth, but that it's more important to come around the round table and share freely all of our opinions, and whatever the consensus is, um, that'll probably become church teaching. Well, that's a pretty dangerous concept, and we wouldn't have a church 2,000 plus years old if that was the overriding infrastructure of our church. Our church is not uh, that kind of a democracy, it is more of a hierarchical structure where not everybody's opinion has equal weight. And of course, we don't look for opinion, we look for truth. So the The legitimate way by which there's debate or dialogue about magisterial teaching usually would be taking place by the magisterium of the Catholic Church, Okay, the very people that make up the teaching body of the apostles. Pope and bishops continuing on. And we've got these uh, subversive elements within our church who have deeply infiltrated into the hierarchy, and they're trying to turn things into a pure democracy theory at best whereby anybody's opinion could rise to the top. Is this not the parent that doesn't care? I'm just trying to get it out there early before disastrous conclusions come down the pike. We want wisdom conveyed, ladies and gentlemen. This is a little kind of too much common sense. Truth. 101. And it's been just decimating seminaries for decades with this inductive approach where we just don't start with the notion that somebody knows a little bit more than I do. Uh Uh-oh, this doesn't sound egalitarian, does it? It sounds top down, like there's a leader. Is this too competitive for the modern zeitgeist? Oh, you reap what you sow. And in an article, what inspired me to do this show and get everybody ready for something catastrophic at the conclusion of this synod was an article in the national catholic register entitled close of the synod on synodality's first phase concerns european catholics so let me just read some specific excerpts and the ultimate irony of this first excerpt i read basically more than suggests that we better listen to the young people because they may not be the young people that the leaders of the Synod want to hear from. Because in open letters gathering hundreds of signatures of young people were recently released in Belgium, Ireland, and Portugal, three countries whose national syntheses stood out for their claims for calling for the ordination of women to the priesthood, optional celibacy, or a change of doctrine regarding homosexual and transgender people. The letters highlight the fact that the local Catholic youth were not consulted in the process. Interesting. So they might have found that the Catholic youth were more traditional than the leaders were. Out of the mouth of babes. Let me continue on. In fact, this is extremely interesting. It says, the recommendations therein, by the synodal Committee synthesis, seem to be what is thought that young Catholics want, rather than what we actually love about our faith in the Church. I can't speak for all the faithful of Ireland, but I am a young Catholic, and among all the young Catholics I know, there is no desire to change in the ways the Synodal Steering Committee suggests. <laughs> Later on, many Portuguese priests are very dissatisfied, sad, and shocked at the report of the Bishop's Conference, because through worldly terms such as LGBTQI+, and references to struggles between social and sexual groups, it conveys an ideological vision that has little regard and respect for the faith that has been transmitted to us. In Ireland, The bishop, Alphonsus Cullinan of Waterford and Lismore, warned against the temptation to giving in to trends, current trends, regretting the lack of space given in diocesan consultations to the central issues of the Christian faith, which he identified as evangelization, supporting family life, and protection of the poor, the unborn, the elderly, the refugee, and the homeless. A number of things emerge from the synthesis which challenge church teaching, which she has held since the beginning, Bishop Cullinan noted, and the synthesis also reveals an attitude toward what could be termed traditional faith, which is mildly dismissive. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit was in the synodal process, but maybe more in the gaps than in the utterances. (laughs) Oh, they're just... Again, watch out for religious educators is about the size of it. If I was pastor of any church out there, I would get rid of anybody with three letters after their name from a Jesuit university, most especially, and hire the rosary group to absolutely take over the religious ed process. These people have been out of touch since the days of Jesus' formidable enemy— The Sanhedrin, that religious body of arrogant intellectuals, likely inspiring our Lord to choose fishermen to be his leaders. And the Sanhedrin is current in every era, in my opinion. Think they know best for you, the average Joe and Josephine, when in fact Joe and Josephine is highly more educated in common sense, which is indeed the sense of the faithful that, yes, is called for. But when the educators are all of a sudden put on the hot seat to listen to that sense of the faithful, somehow they become dismissive, as the Bishop of Ireland notes. So, always the double standard with these people. More importantly, ladies and gentlemen, we need to go to the heart getting back to that epistemological, to use the big word that they often love to use, just see if they can get you lost and then you just you know don't pay attention to what they're saying. Well, the deductive versus the inductive approach to truth, and this is where chaos begins. Because if you proceed at most levels of education, with the possible exception of seminary and college graduate symposiums. If you proceed with the inductive approach, which is current in most parishes where they have a Bible study or faith sharing, but there's really no leader. All right, this is such the common trend in our parishes. Because we haven't had solid catechesis with particular catechists very well informed as to how to articulate age-old official Catholic truths, we leave it just up for the the group sharing, the kumbaya, all right? And then people leave having a little good food and beverage, and they've all had a nice evening for themselves because they never sought out the why of Catholic Church teaching on any difficult issue. We will not do that to you here. This is WQPH Radio, 89.3 FM. When we come back, you shall stand firm. Our book review continued. We are in chapter eight entitled the priest is a marked man father casey says here i will cover the priesthood and specifically the importance the dignity and the indispensability of the ministerial priesthood which is so terribly misunderstood and likewise denigrated today the priest will always be a sign of contradiction to the world and sometimes to his own parishioners this has always been the case and even during what we might consider as better times than now I once found the following excerpt called The Priest Dilemma in an old parish bulletin from the 1950s. It said, If a priest preaches over ten minutes, he's long-winded. If his sermon is under ten minutes, he didn't prepare it. If the parish funds are high, he's a businessman. If he mentions money, he's money mad. If he visits his parishioners, he's too nosy. If he doesn't, he's being snobbish. If he has fairs, picnics, and bazaars, he's bleeding the people. If he doesn't, there's no social life in the parish. If he takes time and confession to help and advise sinners, he's taking too long. If he doesn't, he doesn't care. If he celebrates liturgy in a quiet voice, he's a bore. If he puts feeling into it, he's an actor. If he starts Mass on time, his watch is fast. If he starts late, he's holding up the people. If he tries to lead the people in music, he's showing off. If he doesn't, he doesn't care what Mass is like. If he decorates the church, he's wasting money. If he doesn't, he's letting it run down. If he's young, he doesn't have enough experience. If he's old, he ought to retire. But if he dies, there may be nobody to replace him. I get a chuckle out of this. I was just uh, talking to a couple of disciples in Christ in my home the other day, and I mentioned in trying to be fair to the overworked, understaffed nature of parish life, especially for the pastor, I compared it to being a golf pro and having been a head pro general manager and you're in a fishbowl. Yes sirree, the pastor and the golf professional are in very similar positions. Everybody has something to say about the main man. Wow, what a pressure that really is. Thankfully, I've loved what I do both in golf and ministry. So I was able to take the blows and I hope and pray that our priests love what they do because when you're in that type of Of profession a position where everybody's looking at you and they got something to say that's that's heavy stuff that's real pressure most of us can get lost in our little cubicle at the office for most of the day not the priest and let us never forget for one survival the country club made up of families and the parish made up of families are overwhelmingly made up of very good people But there's always that 3 to 7 percentile that live to make your life miserable. You want to stay joy-filled? Never cater to them. Father Casey continues, It seems to me today that this list of dilemmas would be the least of the pastor's problems. I'm going to state the obvious. There is now, and has been for the last four decades or more, a grave crisis in the Catholic priesthood. It is a crisis of identity and confusion, which I believe is ultimately a crisis of faith. There is a cause and effect relationship. People can generally see the effects, but they do not always understand the causes. I would think it should be clear to everyone by now that the devil's all-out offensive against the church is concentrated on the priesthood, and if he succeeds, it will be the downfall of the church in this part of the world. If he wins, the church in America will be effectively ruined, and don't think for a minute that what has happened in other countries around the globe can't happen here. History can and will repeat itself. The theology of the Catholic priesthood instituted by Jesus Christ himself at the Last Supper has been badly neglected for so too long, And we are paying the price for it right now. The church is paying the price. Souls are paying the price. And thousands of victims of sexual abuse are paying the price. As you well know, religious life in this country has taken a terrible beating over the last 40 years. Since the late 60s, more than 20,000 American priests have left the priesthood, and more than 50,000 American nuns have left religious life. For those of us who are trying to remain faithful to God's call, it is an uphill battle. Experience has proven that the devil works triple overtime to destroy consecrated souls, and especially the priest who is a man uniquely figured to Christ. I believe it is true to say that the average priest will be tempted twice as much, three times as much, and even ten times as much as the average layperson. The priest is a marked man in more ways than one. The priest will always be a marked man, and not just because of the indelible mark on his soul by virtue of his reception of the Sacrament of Holy Orders, but because he will always be the primary target of the devil's malice. Satan's tactics never change. The strategy is always the same. Strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep. If there is no priest, then there is no mass. No mass, no Eucharist. No Eucharist, no church. It has been said that there is no greater instrument in the hands of Almighty God than a good and holy priest, and that there is no more terrible weapon in the hands of Satan than a bad one. Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles recently wrote a book entitled Men of Brave Heart, The Virtue of Courage in Priestly Life. It is surely one of the best books on the spirituality of the priesthood that I have ever read and he recommends it to all his brother priests and he says we live in a culture that while it does not persecute believers sharply restricts expressions of the christian faith and pressures believers to abandon core principles of their faith in order to quote unquote get along in addition priests today face the daily temptations of a culture that promotes material comfort morals and ethics without responsibility and which questions eternal values and lifelong commitment. Did you ever wonder what life would be like without priests? Without priests, we have no Jesus. Without priests, we have no absolution. Without priests, we cannot receive Holy Communion. The heart of Jesus is in the priest. In choosing a man to be a priest, Jesus has given himself totally to that man. It is only the priest who can give the real living Jesus to us in the Blessed Sacrament. There is a memorable saying that if you find a job that you love, you will never have to work a day in your life. Those of us who have received the incomparable gift of the Sacrament of Holy Orders ought to feel that way about what God has called us to be in life. Christ himself said, It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to, to go and bear fruit. So let us go and bear that fruit by having big holy families and make the priest proud indeed the real meaning of valentine's day this is wqph radio 89.3 fm wishing you a shower of roses this coming week god bless let your light shine that is what it's all about here at wqph radio 89.3 fm But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, my number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoyne, talkcatholic.com. St. Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.